this podcast from Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. How about if I press the right button? There we are. The failure was completely mine. Nothing to do with our great tech team who have served us very well this morning. Well done, guys. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? That was good to worship God together. So good to encounter him and hear from him. It's good, isn't it? It's good. It's so good. Just to follow up on the Paul's notice on rock climbing, we're just... We're just looking for some creative ways to communicate well some of the things that go on in the life of the church and just give you opportunity to get involved and uh, get engaged with things. And Maybe we look at a a mobile phone app that that does that. We're looking at one or two of those at the moment. It may be we have an old-fashioned, styly pin board in the foyer. Some of you are going, what's a pin board? It's like Pinterest, okay? There you go, it's it's the the analogue version, alright, so I'm hoping, it may well probably do both, okay, so there'll be a digital version and there'll be an analogue version, and uh, just to try and communicate some of the things that are going on and uh, and open stuff up so that you can plug into different ways, so hoping that will serve you very well. Okay, so last Sunday... Uh, I started unpacking our new vision statement uh, that we've, uh, we've put together, which uh, I think is going to magically appear on the, I have on the screen behind me. There we are. So uh, we're saying that Jubilee is a vibrant community shaped by the Spirit, equipped by the Word, and sent to the nations. Now, those of you who were here last week, What's different about that slide compared to last week's slide? I'll hand at the back. Capital W. Very good. Round of applause for our there. Well spotted. It has got a capital W on word. And I shall explain why if and when we get to that bit this week. I say if and when because last week I managed to get two words in. So we got to A, that was the quick bit, and vibrant. That took a little longer. So I'm not quite sure how we'll, uh, we'll go this morning. We may get through all of it. We may not. John, who's due to preach next Sunday, is sitting there thinking, God, it'd be good if it went over a couple more weeks. That gives me some more time. So he's praying hard in the front here. We shall, we shall see where we go. So what we wanted to do, we wanted to give a bit of a fresh look at who we are as a church, some of the things that we're going for, what's important to us. And uh, it's hard to sum all that up in one sentence. You, you're never going to do it in one sentence. You're never going to do it just in a, in a handful of phrases. But we gave it our best shot. And uh, these are some of the things that are important to us. And uh, I want to spend some time this morning looking um, at these and um, also asking the question, why is it important and what, God, what is God saying to us? So why don't we pray and then we'll see how we go from here. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for your goodness, thank you for your presence, thank you for your grace upon us. And uh, Lord, as we spend a few moments looking at this phrase together, Lord, it not be just looking at a collection of words, but 
we pray that Holy Spirit, you would speak to our hearts. I pray, Lord, that these words would come alive in our hearts and we would hear from you what it is that you're calling us to as a church family together. So I pray you give us open hearts to hear from heaven this morning. Help me to communicate well. I pray, God, that you would uh, come to us now by your Spirit. We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Jubilee, a vibrant community, shaped by the Spirit, equipped by the Word, and sent to the nations. This is who we want to be. This is what we're going for. This should describe us. If we try to take a snapshot of Jubilee life, this, I hope, would be it. Now, I was taking one or two photos this morning because I wanted some photos of us worshipping together. And uh, a, a phrase like this is a bit like that. It's a snapshot. You don't get everything, but you get something in it. And I'm trusting we've got much of what we're going for in this phrase. A vibrant community shaped by the Spirit, equipped by the Word, and sent to the nation. So last week we spent some time looking at what it means to be vibrant and full of life. And I'm not going to go through it all again this morning because we'll never get any further. But it, the, the, uh, the talk is online and you can download it if you missed it. So I want Jubilee to be a vibrant and a growing community. So let's get to community then. What does that mean? Jubilee Church is not just a Sunday morning meeting. God is calling us to be a community, a family together. It says this on our website, in case you haven't looked at it recently. Jubilee Church is a community of people who love God and love each other. We have a Sunday meeting and midweek groups, but more importantly, Jubilee Church is about relationships. Relationships with God and friendship with each other. So where does that idea come from? Is it from me? Or is it from David as he was reworking some stuff on our website recently? No, actually, friends, it's biblical. It's totally biblical. Acts 2, chapter 42, sorry, Acts 2, verse 42, I get a cheer from Tim, says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. The reason Tim cheered there, I think, is that he challenged me recently and said, you used to speak on Acts 2 all the time. You used to preach on it all the time. What's happened? You don't seem to do that anymore. And it was a bit of a friendly rebuke, but there was some truth in it. You know, we did used to speak about it all the time. You know, if you asked anybody who'd been in Jubilee more than two weeks, if you said, what's Graham's favourite passage? Or what's the only thing he can preach on? Probably the answer would have been Acts chapter 2. And if you'd said, does he know any other bits in his Bible? The answer would have been doubtful, not sure. Never heard him speak on it. Because pretty much that's what we talked about all the time. And the reason is this. It's not just because it's my favourite passage. The reason it's my favourite passage is that it describes something that we want to be. And I think in the early days of Jubilee, I described it a lot. And probably more recently, I haven't described it enough. And so part of what we're doing with this is going back to it saying, God, what sort of church do you want us to be? I believe God wants us to be this sort of church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, 
to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, the early church wasn't perfect. Sometimes we can look back through rose-tinted spectacles and think, oh, you know, what a perfect church it was. It wasn't perfect. You only have to read the letters in the New Testament, and I have read those as well, to situations that people like Paul are writing to and the correction that he brings, you can see the early church was not perfect. But listen, they did get many things right. And one of the things the early church got very right, in Acts 2 here particularly, was their sense of community. Their sense of real love and care for one another. Now, in the early church, we're told there was devotion. They gave themselves. Devotion is a heart thing, isn't it? It might describe a married couple who are in love with each other. They're devoted to one another. It's quite a strong word, isn't it? And the passage here tells us that they were devoted to some things. Yes, they were devoted to God. But friends, they were also devoted to one another. And caring for and loving one another. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. And the fellowship, they devoted themselves to one another as much as they did to the Lord. In verse 41 of Acts chapter 2. It says this, Those who accepted his message, this is Peter's message, were baptised, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So do you notice that people responded to Peter's message, his teaching, the good news of the gospel, he explained it to them, Just a few verses earlier, he explained how to repent and be baptised and receive the Holy Spirit. And then we're told that they responded, they were baptised. There was outward evidence of that, making that internal commitment to Jesus and responding to his call upon their lives. About 3,000 made that decision and then they were added to their number. You see, they were saved and added, added to that community. It wasn't just a list they were added to. It wasn't just a member's directory. It wasn't just an online group, if they'd had one. No, they were added to a community of believers. They were joined to one another. They gave themselves first to the Lord, yes, obviously, and then gave themselves to one another in such care and love for one another. They were joined to something. It wasn't just a list that the apostles had. Oh, these people responded. There's the list. They were added to that community. They were were built in. And then it's described how they they cared for one another. Verse 44 of Acts chapter 2. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had needs. You see, the needs of their brothers and sisters were more important to them than their possessions, or their bank balance, or their pension pot, or their whatever it is. Actually, their, their care and love for one another trumps those things. 
doesn't mean they, they sold everything and moved into a commune. But it does mean they were devoted to one another. It does mean they looked out for one another. And that must have mean they knew one another. It must have been, doesn't it? it you know, you, you wouldn't be giving to one another as they had need uh, unless you knew about the need. It stands to reason, doesn't it? And uh, so they must have known one another quite deeply in order to know about need and to be able to then help to meet it. They were devoted to one another. But friends, you know what? They were just being obedient to Jesus. Do you remember what he said in John chapter 13? Jesus says this, verse 34 of John chapter 13. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. So one of the reasons that we are so committed to our life groups is that we believe they're a great way of encouraging community and a love and a care for one another. Let's be clear. Life groups are not a vision. The vision is having a vibrant and loving community. Life groups are a vehicle to help us to do that. Okay? It's not life groups is, is the vision. No, no, community. Love one another is the vision. This is a way that it helps us to do that. So think about it. The early church there, we're told that 3,000 were added to their number in one day. Boom! Suddenly the church grows by 3,000 people. Those of you who are mathematicians can work out the percentage and tell me afterwards. Whatever it is, it's big. So suddenly there's a whole lot of people to care for and to love. How did they do that? They must have done something in smaller groups. And the reason we can be so sure that they did something, they must have done something in smaller groups is that we're told that they met together both in the temple courts, large gathering, and their homes, smaller gathering. Now, I know their homes may have been bigger and may have included extended families, so it wouldn't have just been like a three-bed semi. <laughs> but even so, you probably wouldn't have got 3,000 people in most of them. So they met in a larger context in the temple courts and they met in smaller contexts in one another's homes as well. They met together. They ate together. That's another thing, isn't it? They ate together. You know what? There's nothing like food to break down people's barriers, isn't there? Isn't that true? And what do you do if you just go out with a friend for an evening? You might go and have something to drink or something to eat. Why do you do that? Why do you not go somewhere and just stand and talk? You don't do that, do you? Just think about it. Now, if you're saying, if you're meeting a friend, say you meet a friend in, in the city after work, maybe, you don't just go somewhere and, and just sort of spend a few hours just talking, just standing there. You probably go and eat something, or you'll go and drink something, and you'll relax. You see, having a drink and having something to eat, I'm not talking about alcohol, I'm just saying that, that the fact of having, drinking something and eating something just breaks down barriers. What did Jesus do with people all the time? He ate with them. That's how you build community. It's how you build friendships. It's how you build relationships. When Sarah and I were going out together, which is a fair few years ago now, what do we do lots of? We had lots of going out and eating together. It breaks down barriers. You get to know somebody. What do we do now if we've got a babysitter for an evening and go out on our own? We'll probably go out and eat something together. 
It's not reflection on my cooking, although it could be. But it's because it relaxes us. And not, that's good for us. You probably do the same with some of the favourite people in your life. I want to suggest that eating together is good for us. It's good for community. It's good for making friends. It's good for getting to know one another. And as the early church ate together, they got to know one another and they were able to meet one another's needs. That's what community is like, isn't it? That's what it's about. So if you're looking into Jubilee and you're not yet part of a small group that we happen to call life groups, I want to encourage you, get plugged into one. We've got nine now, I think, around the city and a bit further afield in Burton and Ashbourne. So wherever you are, I want to encourage you, get plugged into one. They're great. If you're not sure which one to go to, come to ours. No, I shouldn't say that, should I? I get <laughs> lynched by every other life group leader after the, after the meeting. But listen, you, there's, there's, there's some details on the welcome table outside. There's details on the website. You can come and ask me who our, how our leaders are, where the groups are located. You might want to check out one or two around the city. That's fine. You don't have to go to the one that's nearest you. Controversial. You might want to go to one where some of your friends are and it's work, what works for you on a particular evening. That's fine. You know what? It's not about just going to a meeting. It's about being friends. It's about building community and loving and caring for one another. You see, community in the New Testament was really practical. It really meant something. So we're told here that they sold their possessions and goods and gave to one another as they had need. Turn over a few pages. Acts chapter 4. Just turn with me. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. It says this. Pick up the same theme here. All the believers were one in heart and mind. That's good, isn't it? That's a great description. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and much grace was upon them all. Listen to this. There were no needy persons among them. There were no needy persons among them. That is quite a statement. It is not a reflection of the fact that the only people who were saved were wealthy. Okay? It's not that only wealthy people were responding to the gospel and they were just good looking after themselves. We know because some of the types of names that are used in recording people in the New Testament church, you can have a pretty good stab at what their background is. And we know that in the early church there were those who were rich and those who were very poor. Those who were landowners and those who were slaves. There was a real mix, there was a great diversity. And that's good, because the gospel is good news for the poor, as well as good news for the rich. So it says there were no needy persons among them. How come? Well, it tells us. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. It's quite a statement, isn't it? That's radical living, isn't it? That is radical living. And what it's describing here is the early church. So it wasn't that we had many, many tens and twenties and hundreds of years for something to be established. This was in the culture straight away. 
They were so devoted firstly to the Lord and then to one another. This is how they lived. This is how they took care of one another. And then it tells us that Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the the apostles' feet. We could spend all morning talking about Barnabas. I love Barnabas. (laughs) That was his nickname. It wasn't his real name. His name was Joseph. But the apostles called him Barnabas as a nickname. What does it mean? It means son of encouragement or one who encourages. He was such an encouragement, this guy, the apostles nicknamed him Barnabas because that's who he was. Such an encourager. That's who he's known, known as. A few chapters later, you start reading about Barnabas and Saul on tremendous journeys to bring the good news of the, of the gospel to all sorts of places. Then you read about Paul and Barnabas, and so the story goes on. Here he is. It wasn't even his real name. <laughs> I nicknamed him that. But we're told that he sold and bought the money and gave it. Wonderful, isn't it? And this is the sort of community that they were in. They so loved one another that they really cared for one another. And so the challenge for us is, how are we doing on that? Are we loving one another to that degree? Are we caring for one another? Are we in one another's lives enough where we know the sort of need? Do we generally open up like that? I guess in our culture that doesn't happen overnight, does it? You know, if somebody asks, hi, how are you doing? The natural reaction, almost the automatic replies, I'm fine, thank you. Or I'm good, how are you? And almost you so expect to hear that, and I'm as guilty of this as anybody, you, you so expect to hear it, you've almost walked on before you hear the answer. Because we're conditioned that the answer is, I'm good, thanks. How about if we answered it honestly? And I suggest that probably Sunday morning with everybody isn't the time to answer it to that degree of depth. But let me tell you where it is. <laughs> Maybe a small group that you're part of. And as you walk in and someone says, Hi, how's your week? How are you doing? Actually, the default answer for us isn't, Oh, great, thanks. Actually, it's an honest one. Because the truth is, sometimes the answer will be, You know what? It's all good. Actually, I've had a great week. Thank you. How, how, how are you doing? The, uh, the Joey moment in Friends. How are you doing? Some of you are too young for even that, aren't you? It's just shocking. Gosh. How are you really doing? But how about we answer the question honestly? And are you ready for somebody to say, actually, it's been a tough week? For somebody to open up and go, you know what, I, it's just been hard. Just as Mel so vulnerably shared during worship. For somebody to open up like that and just say, hey, it's, it's tough right now. There's this going on in my family or work situation, whatever it might be. Are you ready for that? Do you know what to do when they do that? <laughs> actually, sometimes we don't. We say, oh, I'm not sure I was ready for that. But actually, I want us to encourage us, dear friends, to make our small groups the sort of safe place where you can open up like that, where you can have those honest conversations and where we can genuinely love and care one another. Don't you want to be part of a church like that? That's the sort of church I want to be part of. 
That's the sort of small group that I want to be part of. They're the sort of friends that I want around me. I suspect the same is true for you. Or actually, you can say, you know what, right now it's tough. There's, there's some difficulty in our, in our family. Or, you know, this the work situation that is so hard. Or whatever it might be for you. Not that you're looking for problems to share. But actually where we can be honest and vulnerable when we need to be. But also when we can rejoice with one another as well. Where one another's victory is not just their victory, but it's our victory as well. Where somebody else can say, you know what, you were praying for me and I got the job I applied for. Wouldn't it be good if the sort of communities that we built, where somebody can say, hey, I got the job that I applied for. Somebody else in the group who still hasn't found one yet can rejoice in their victory as if it was their own. Because their time will come. Don't you want to be part of a group like that? Well, actually, we can love and serve and care for one another, mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. That's what I want to do, isn't it? So where somebody else has a victory that we're still waiting for a breakthrough in, we can rejoice in it as if it was our own and say, I'm thrilled for you. That's so good. We've been praying for that. I'm so pleased God's broken through for you. And that person doesn't feel bad or difficult about sharing it because they know that somebody else isn't throwing it on their issue yet. But no, they can say, that's, that's great. And now we're going to pray for you. But you're only part of a group like that. Isn't that the sort of life group you want to be part of? Isn't that what we're building? Isn't that the sort of church that we think Jubilee should be? Yeah. So friends, let's go for that. Let's allow ourselves time to do that. Let's not get into thinking, oh, I've got this small group meeting tonight. I've got all these things to get through. Bang, just go, just go through stuff. Let's really genuinely share lives together. I know many of you do already. And my encouragement to you, if you're not in a, in a small group yet, is get plugged into one and be part of sharing life together where we can genuinely be devoted not only to Jesus, but also to one another. So how are we doing? That was word three. <laughs> this is not going well, is it? This could be a long preach. Don't worry, it won't all be this morning. Probably. Okay, so we've got a vibrant community shaped by the Spirit. What do I mean to be shaped by the Spirit? Well, shaped, first of all, is allowing God to work in us and with us. So, how is He shaping us? What is He saying to us? I don't know about you, but I don't want to stay the same. My wife doesn't want me to stay the same. To be honest about it. <laughs> I don't want to stay the same. I want Jesus to shape me. I want to be changed by him. I want him to do do some good in my life. Some of you are sitting there thinking, yeah, we should hurry up about it as well. (laughs) But we want to become more like Jesus, don't we? I do. I want to be shaped by him. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, says this, And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. He is transforming us from one degree of glory to another. It says this in Philippians 1, verse 6, And I'm sure of this, 
that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God has started something in each of us. He has started something in you. And if you allow him, if you allow him to shape you by his spirit, then over time he transforms you. When you first put your trust in Jesus, when you say yes to the invitation of heaven to respond to God's love for you, in that moment you are saved. In that moment you are made righteous. In that moment your legal standing before God changes forever. However, you don't become all sorted in that moment. God looks at you and sees the righteousness of Jesus, which is good, isn't it? He doesn't see everything you've done wrong. He looks at you and sees everything that Jesus has done right. Hallelujah. But, you know, as well as that, he doesn't leave you in the state that you're in. But rather, he starts to work to transform you into who he wants you to be and who he has made you to be. And that takes some time. It takes some time in me and it takes some time in you. And if you allow him to continually shape you, it's something that he will do for the rest of your earthly life. Until that moment when you go to meet him in glory. And in that moment, you're made totally perfect before him. So it's not to do with your legal standing. It's not about, am I forgiven or not? Let's make it really clear. When you put your trust in Jesus, when you accept him, when you follow him, everything changes. You are made righteous in that moment. This is about him making you more like Jesus. Why does it take time? Because we're the ones that take time with it. It's true, isn't it? We're the ones that that take time with it. So God, by his spirit, is shaping us, changing us, moulding us from one degree of glory to another. So we want Jubilee to be a community of people where God is at work. It's like we should have a sign outside the auditorium. You know the sort of sign you see on roadworks that says, Men at work. We would have a sign outside, outside that says, God at work. That's what he was doing this morning, wasn't he? Think about it. What was God doing this morning? Digging up some foundations. It was like God had one of those you know, massive power drills. It was digging up some foundations in us, digging them out and putting in some fresh foundations. There should have been a sign that says, God at work, because he has been at work this morning. And praise God, he is at work when we gather together. We want Jubilee to be a community of people where God is at work, where we allow him to do some shaping, both of us personally and us together. We want to allow God to shape our lives together. But friends, we have to let him do it. We have to allow him in. We have to give him the room. Listen, one way that God will shape you is by being in community. Because it's as we learn to live alongside one another, and it's as we offend one another, because we will, and as we forgive one another, because God calls us to, that's how he shapes us. And that only happens in community. It doesn't happen on your own. 
The New Testament has got no concept of an individual Christian not part of a local church. It's a totally foreign concept. It's not there at all. The assumption is you're saved and added. That's it. You respond to Jesus, you're plugged into a local community, a family of God, a church together. Strike right it. That's, that's the expectation. There's no thought of you working it out on your own and just saying, oh, I can do it myself. Don't need this. It's just not there at all. God uses community to help shape us. Discipleship is not an individual journey. It's a community experience. Discipleship is not an individual journey. It's a community experience. And the Holy Spirit often uses others to shape us and to mould us. So my question is this. Are you allowing God to shape you? Are you giving the Holy Spirit room to shape you? We say we want to be a vibrant community shaped by the Spirit. Let's see if we can do Spirit quickly. And then at least we've done one line. And I'll feel better about things. And we'll see if we can do one line maybe in the next week or so. The reason I want to do do shape by the Spirit particularly is it goes with shaped. It, it finishes that part of the sentence off. But as well as that, it's Pentecost Sunday today. It's when we celebrate that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the early church. But friends, it's not just something we look back to and say, wasn't it good then? This is an everyday experience of life now. The day of Pentecost was a day of power. A day of God breaking in. But hey, today is a day of power. Today is a day of God breaking in. And I believe this is so important for us to be shaped by the Spirit. In the last 18 months or so, I think it is fair to say that we have experienced a new move of God in our church. It's wonderful to see what God is doing by his Spirit. We've developed a new openness to him and his Spirit like never before. He has come by his Spirit to shape us and empower us like never before. And I want this passion for the presence of God be right at the heart of who we are. And as I said at the prayer meeting the other Wednesday, baptism in the Holy Spirit, being filled by his presence, has a missional component to it. We'll get to that a little bit later in our sentence. But Jesus said this, Acts 1 verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Power will come. For what? Meetings? No! For mission. You receive power in order that you will be witnesses. Now, I love meetings. I love worshipping God together. I love experiencing his presence. But it doesn't stop there. That is in order to equip us and to fill us and empower us to go out. But before we get to the going out bit, we need to get to the encounter bit. And that's why worship is right at the heart of this church. It always has been, and it always will be. Before anything else, we love God. We love God. And as we worship him, we encounter him. Our times of worship are meant to be times of encounter. 
chance of encountering our Father in heaven. And so we deliberately have times of free worship where many people contribute and bring spiritual gifts. We believe that's the sort of worship the Bible teaches about. But these spiritual gifts are not ending themselves. It's not like I, I go home and go, okay, how was worship today? Well, we had a prophetic word, tick. We had a picture, tick. Had a, had a spiritual song, tick. Didn't have a tongue, cross. It's not about that. It's, a, it's about encountering God. Did we encounter God as we worshipped him? Yes, we did. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Spiritual gifts are important, but they're not an end in themselves. They are a vehicle to help us worship. They are a vehicle to help us encounter. And as we encounter him, he shapes us, he fills us, and he fuels us for life and for ministry. Let's stand and we'll pray together as we close. Heavenly Father, on this day of Pentecost, when we remember the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon the early church, a day that changed everything when power came, we thank you, Lord, that you are still in the business by your Spirit of shaping us, of filling us, and of fueling us for life and mission. And Father, as we've spent these moments looking at these phrases together and Asking the question, what sort of church do you want Jubilee to be? Thank you, Lord, that you are at work. Thank you, Lord, that you are calling us to be something. Thank you, Lord, that you are speaking to us. Thank you, God, that even this morning you broke in and you encountered us as we worshipped you. And we say, God, would you have free reign in this church? God, as we seek to be that vibrant community that is shaped by the Spirit, that is equipped by the Word and sense, to the nations. We say, God, be at work amongst us. Lord, will this not just be a phrase that we stick on a board, some words that we put on a website, but God, will it describe the sort of church that you're calling us to be and that you are building in this place? Father, we pray, would you be at work? Would our community life be vibrant and passionate? Would our worship be exciting and encountering you? Lord, would we allow you to shape us both individually and corporately? Lord, we say that this is your church. It's not our church, this is your church. And so would you build it in a way that honours you? Would you build it in a way that is true to Scripture? Would you build it in a way that enables your gospel to go forth and your kingdom to advance, both in Derby, God, in Burton and Ashbourne and other places we're beginning to touch, and to the ends of the earth? God, we want to be an ends of the earth church that has that in our sights, that sees you send us to the nations and sees your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So God, even in these moments, would you fill us afresh by your spirit, empower us for the week ahead. God, would we live for you? Would you bring your kingdom into every conversation, every place we go? that you might be glorified. We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you.
If you're visiting us this morning, head straight out into the foyer. There's some seats there. We will serve you tea, coffee and cake. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.